A city based on industry, from market stalls to collieries, owners, directors, and entrepreneurs. Oh, we've got all that and more. No matter how high you fly, no matter how far you go, the spotlight's on you when we go wrecking Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Wrexham Business Spotlight podcast, which is sponsored by AB Accountancy. My name's Adrian and today's guest is Fern, whose business is the Buttercup Vintage Van. Have I said that right, Fern? Yeah, Caravan. Caravan. <laughs> um, so Fern, do you want to start just by talking about yourself and, and your business briefly? Okay. Uh, so my name's Fern. Um, I've been self-employed since the end of 2014. Originally had a bar in Wrexham Town Centre and then had that for about four years, moved to a little bistro in Llangollen. Then COVID happened and then I decided to go mobile. So I've now got a caravan that I serve food out of. Okay, great. So that, that van, what sort of what sort of food does it do? What are the offerings people could find of you? So we mainly do plant-based street food from the caravan. That's kind of been a thing that's developed over the years since I had the first bar. Um sort of doing food and then the the vegan options kind of taking over um the meat options and then I was able to open as as completely vegan um did really well but then I had to move out of the out of the building because the rent went extortionate um so I went to Langoflin and just had it 100% vegan in Langoflin but then as I say covid um so most of the time we're 100% plant based with the caravan I have been asked to do some weddings and some different events that that aren't some are veggie some are not strictly plant-based but but generally when i go out and about it's we stick to that okay and obviously you're mobile so there's no fixed location but are there any set places people could find you and i'm always in wrexham first saturday of the month we do a market which we'll talk about soon okay (laughs) um so i'm always there one one saturday a month and then generally just i try and be as local as i can so maybe written sometimes mold um but obviously, if, if I've got big events, I'll go a bit further. But I try to stay fairly close to home with it, really. And then I guess you're publishing, is it social media, where you're going to be for people? Yeah, I always put on, on our Facebook group um, where we're going to be sort of that week. I tend not to do it too far in advance because it's people just forget anyway. So yeah. um, I tend to do it that week. I do have a website, but it, I think that's more for the sort of the, the bigger bookings, the weddings and stuff, because I think people tend to get their information from social media more than physically go in to look at a website agree yeah <laughs> definitely nowadays i uh, i find more traffic goes through our, our facebook page and our website yeah i think the bigger as i say the bigger events people do want to see a website and not just get because it, it's more the the specific information in one place isn't it whereas if you looked on facebook it would be a bit you have to scroll through a lot but i think mm-hmm. as far as what's going on this week is i think people do prefer to be social media i don't really use twitter anymore though maybe i should but i've kind of I think you've got to be really, really active on Twitter. You've got to, to hit them keep, keep it, yeah, yeah. And I just, I just don't think about it enough. To... I think sometimes it's key to find one social media and do it well, rather than have a poor off on all yeah. of them. I mean, I do, I do Instagram again, um, but they, they're basically linked to Facebook and Instagram. They're just the same mm. thing, really. Um, they're just the same posts. But yeah, Twitter, I just sort of, I have got an account, but I just. It's not Twitter anymore, is it? No. It's X. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just think you've got to be a bit more vocal, otherwise stuff gets pushed down quite a bit, doesn't it? So, yeah. So, just from your introduction there, you said you started back in 2014. 
and sort of led into doing vegan options. Was veganism as big in 2014 as it is now, or is that something you've seen grow? It was about, so when I first started, it was just a bar. Um, and then I'd had like a couple of chefs that, I had one that was like a, um, like a franchise, you know, he was supposed to be making his own money. He was sort of self-employed. Yeah. That lasted about three months. Um, and he went, and then I got another chef in that I employed. Uh, he was pretty good, but he was in a band, so he was quite committed to a lot of other things as well. Um, so sort of in that meantime, when he was when he couldn't be there, I was sort of taken over from him. And because I've I've got experience in kitchens and mm. stuff, I'm not. I've never been fully trained, but I've always cooked a lot. And um, and we did a few vegan options when he was there. And then after he left. It was sort of 50-50 and then, so this this is getting into about sort of 2017 sort of time now. Um, and then, as I say, it just, we ended up having like two meat options on the menu um, and everything else was plant-based. I think we had like a chicken burger and a beef burger. Um, and then it just got to the point where they weren't really selling, which it was just really strange. People were coming in, because I think, you know, a lot of people didn't really mind that we still served some meat options mm. they, they just like the fact that everything else was completely plant-based um and then so it, i sort of made the decision in the the january of 2018 to okay we'll we'll give it a go and we'll just go completely because yeah. you know at the end of the day it's it's business and you've got to go with you know what's yeah. happening and, and what presents itself to you and i thought it's worth the, the risk um and it paid off and and it was really popular i don't think there was anywhere at the time um well, I mean, certainly not in Wrexham. I, th- I think it was quite because we were on ITV Wales News in about the March time. I remember that. Yeah. So I think it was quite sort of I'm, I'm not unique. I haven't invented it, but there wasn't much. Many other people that had taken the plunge and, and sort of gone. Really focusing yeah. on it, yeah. Um, so it worked really well, and then um, unfortunately, I just had a real trouble with the landlords and just you know everything that goes on with business it was it was really difficult to be there it was a big building it was expensive um they basically wanted to double the rent of what i was already paying um i found out a lot later that that was because they'd already made a deal with the co-op for them to, <laughs> for them to take the building off so it was the old fat cap building wasn't yeah. it yeah so um that i didn't know that at the time but they were trying to get me to agree a, a 36,000 pound a year rent um and i was just really battling with them and saying it's impossible no, it's nobody lot of, will pay that it's a lot of pints of beer yeah. isn't it yeah exactly and, and you wouldn't get and I was I was even sending listings of other bars that were up for rent and saying look this is you know because they were based in London so in my opinion it was like they haven't really got a clue of what to expect around mm. here um, and I just I battled for months and, and they just as I say it turns out it's because they'd already had an, an offer <laughs> and it's now a co-op so um, so yeah it was I was really doing really well and then my mum had said to me well you know, I understand your reasons for wanting to leave here because, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to be paying that kind of money. Um, but you can't give up. You've got to take it somewhere else. Um, so we managed to find a place in Plangothan about six months later. We, we opened there. And that just d- did the same thing. 100% plant-based, really popular, really busy. We opened in the April. Um, I was a bit worried about the winter months because you sort of get told that Plangothan is really quiet in the winter and they don't get any tourists. and. Um, but we did really well and there were still people, we even, I, I chose to stay open in January, which a lot of people don't bother in Fungothlin, but it really served, served as well to do that because there wasn't really anywhere else open. So even people that weren't vegan or vegetarian were coming there. Um, and then that March was COVID. So it just mm. sort of all. <laughs> so we, we have an office in Clangothlin, so I, I spend a fair amount of time there. I, it is obviously quieter in the winter, oh, yeah. but there is still, 
a decent amount of people yeah. around. And actually speaking to some locals that, that we now know up there, they don't really go out in the summer. They don't like it that the whole place because gets taken over yeah. by tourists. Yeah. In the winter, they feel like they get their town yeah. back. So they probably eat out in the winter yeah. quite a lot. We, yeah, we were finding that, as I say, there were still people. But then even the, the sort of few tourists that you did have, they were coming in January. And they were like, oh, everywhere's closed. You know, mm. nobody. But I can understand why other businesses would close in January because, A, it's, it's not, sometimes can't be financial, especially if you've got staff. You know, you're not going to be able to cover your costs. Um, but also it's a break. You know, it's, if you're open the rest of the year, then I understand. And I mean, I was thinking of doing the same, but I thought because of the Veganuary thing as well, um, I thought, let's give it a go. You know, yeah. let's let's stay open. Um, and it, it did pay off and, and we were busy right up until that what was that it? Nasty, nasty March, March twenty. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it it was definitely you know I'd probably still be there now if mm. that hadn't happened, but it did. Um, you know, that's um, and we work with it. <laughs> <laughs> so we go straight into that then. What what impact did that have on you? Obviously, it impacted all businesses in different ways, and it's yeah. I mean, sounds it, like it's impacted you. I think it was just. But... I mean, I, I've been through everything with business. You know, I've I've had all the ups and downs, and um, you know. I think it, it's the it's the not knowing, it's the unknown, it's the. I mean, when I was like leaving set the bar, that was that was after four years of being there, and it was my I put my heart and soul into it. You know, I I really I put everything I had into it, not just money, but everything, and it broke my heart to to have to finally make that decision and say, I'm gonna go. Um, and I think, you know, but I built myself up, and and I I just thought it's for the best, and it's it's the right thing to do, and there would be absolutely no point trying to stay and trying to raise that money that I, you know. To, to pay that rent and, and everything you know and the rates and everything else um and I built myself up from that and you know I knew that I would find somewhere I didn't know when but um and I did and and I think the thing with Covid was there was just no end in sight with it there was there was no sort of solution because we just didn't know what was going to happen yeah. we didn't we didn't know when you know originally it was what three weeks was it we were supposed to everything was going to be back to normal yeah. in three weeks and, say it off in three weeks and, it, and it, it literally went i mean i think it was probably what 18 months before we could like probably even longer than that before you could have really properly opened you know, just back back to normal um and that just there's just no i think even if you'd known that you'd think really am i going to be paying rent for 18 months and not be able to open because even when we did open in, I think it was the the July, maybe, um, you could like open outdoors or you could have social distancing because it was such a small building. It, it wasn't even really worth doing that. You know, I'd, I'd sort of open at the weekends and people would sit outside, but then you know, we had to close again. And it was just that unknown. It was, if there was some sort of firm thing in, in sight that right in this month, you'll be able to go back to normal, then maybe it would have been easier. But I just, I just think that constant... From what, from what I could see, obviously working with a range of businesses and all different industries, your industry was the toughest one to deal oh, with. Oh yeah, I mean by far because the nature of it is it is a, obviously a business that wants people to socialise yeah. and to go out. Um, I know a lot of people transition to doing home deliveries, but that's not. Perfect, yeah, I mean, I mean, especially when you're reliant on tourists for your trade. Exactly. Yeah, you know, that's right. And I, I did, I did do that. You know, I, I did, but then I found that because I'd started in Wrexham, even a lot of my customers in Llangollen were still from Wrexham. So when I was doing home deliveries, a lot of them were in Wrexham. <laughs> so I was traveling from Wrexham down to Langoffen to prepare food and then coming back. Because I used to do it, I'd, have like a, I'd get a certain amount of deliveries on a Friday and Saturday night, you know, I'd, they'd book in advance. Um, we'd have like these share boxes. So it was just a set thing that people were having. Uh, you'd get the orders, they'd give you their addresses and then I'd just take them all in one go in a, in a big, you know, hot, like polystyrene hot box. 
um, and do them all and then I'd go home. Um, but they'd all be in Wrexham. So, <laughs> so I was driving to, not that it's that far, but it just sort of seemed, the, the only thing I'm using this building for is it, because of all the, the thing with the VHO, obviously if you're preparing in your own house, you, you have to have that whole new inspection. So it wasn't worth trying to go through that. It was just, oh, I'll just do it in, in the kitchen and I'm off. But it was, it was just coming back again. So I did try everything. I mean, I'd, I'd signed on to Universal Credit as, as everybody had to really. Um, and it you know, made me laugh. I mean, I've worked since I was 15. You know? I've always worked. Yeah. <laughs> and the patronizing sort of, oh, well, have you thought about doing deliveries? No, I didn't think of that. It, you know, like really sort of, because you did just have to think on your toes and just think, yeah. I'll try this, I'll try this. You know, it was open outside. And it just, in the end, I think, I think to be honest, if I hadn't been through what I went through, closing set the bar and basically starting again, pretty much from nothing, you know, I had no money left. I, you mm. know, um, I'm building it all up again in Van Gogh. And I think I just couldn't do it again. I think I just sort of, it was so close to doing it once that I just thought I haven't got the energy to be, you know, not knowing where I stand and, yeah. and everything. But every a lot of people were in the same boat, weren't they? A lot of people just were completely, had the rug pulled from under them yeah. and just had to think on their feet. And I mean, you know, it, there's a lot of people that still kept their jobs throughout it, the key workers, aren't there? But I think a lot of people that had, that were self-employed, just didn't really know what to do. But I, mean, I, I found for a lot of, a lot of industries, the support network really did help keep a lot of businesses in place. Yeah, yeah, there were a for, lot of, for all the criticism, the furloughs, yeah. and the self-employed yeah, grants. I mean, you know, we were, definitely helped people. We we had um, premises grants, but that basically covered the rent. You know, it didn't cover a wage. Uh, that basically went to my landlord, and um, I mean, we spent a little bit of it on getting um, like outside chairs and tables and stuff, and, and trying to make some provisions for things changing a bit. But basically, that was that was on the business. That wasn't. Because I think because of the break I'd had in self-employment from when we left Set the Bar in October and I, I was open again in April, something to do with uh, that there not being a continuous thing. I wasn't entitled to any sort of self-employment yeah. no, thing. Was, so it, yeah, it there was a whole raft of people that fell through the gaps. Yeah, you had yeah, to exactly. have the previous tax return in place. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't get anything. Role. But you know, so I was, a lot of people who'd started self-employment in the last six months yeah couldn't work. I mean as I say it covered it covered the rent and it covered mm -hmm. what we needed to open but it, it didn't give me any money you know mm -hmm. I was lucky that I was living at home and didn't really have many outgoings other than you know my my car and my phone bill and you know I, I didn't really have any any rent to pay or anything so I, so I was lucky in that perspective that you know I, I wasn't struggling you know to to pay because my mum worked in the university so she got completely she was covered by that so um and they got to work from home as well. So um, I, I know a lot of people didn't get that luxury of, you know, a lot of people were still having to pay a lot of yeah. bills. And, you know, and it's, yeah, it was some tough times. I mean, it's crazy way, talking but... about it now, isn't it? Because it, it, it seems like a lifetime ago. It does ago, feel but, a long time ago, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, and especially remembering sort of the timeline of it, it, it all sort of gets into a blur in the end, doesn't it? You, you forget sort of how long it was between things happening. But I think we're, we're mostly on the other side of it now, aren't we? So your current yeah. business then is... A mobile van, no fixed costs. You're not paying rents. Is that as a direct result of what you've experienced? Yeah, I think so. Before, I mean, I, I pay I pay twenty seven pounds a month to keep it in a little storage area. Um, so that's my rent. So that's you know that's all I have to pay when I'm not using it. I think we just found that you know I was, I was still paying rent. I mean, obviously the, the grant had to cover a lot of that in the in the mortgage plan. Um, but it was it was paying rent when you couldn't even use the building. Um. 
And even when we did sort of start to open up, sometimes it, you know, Schlangoffen wasn't anywhere near as busy as it had been. So even when things were a bit more normal, it, it was still, you, you were having to be there, you know, a set amount of days, a set amount of times, and you, you didn't even know if you'd take any money. And, and I'd, I'd started in between leaving um, Set the Bar and, and going into Schlangoffen. Um, I'd started doing little festivals. I think I, and the first one I did was Schlangoffen Food Festival. Um, and then I've done the Victoria Market in Wrexham. Um, so I'd kind of started getting a bit of a taste for, for doing like street food type things. And I, and I liked the, that it was different and you could kind of put yourself out there. Yeah. And, um, and then I found with that, you know, people were asking me if I wanted to do this festival or this thing. And I was like, oh, I can't really now because I've got a premises. Because, you know, so I've got to be here. And is it worth closing for a weekend and, and doing this instead? Um, so I think by the time it... Um, it got, you know, it got to the, what, what do we do? Do we stick it out? Or and I just thought, you know what? You had a viable alternative. Let's, yeah, let's really. just, because again, my mum, you know, was, was very, well, you can't just give up. You can't just stop completely. You've got a good thing. You've got, you know, a good sort of loyal customer base. You know, you need to sort of keep it going in some way. So, um, so that's how we, I mean, originally I, I intended on buying a, a ready fitted unit <laughs> that was ready to go, but it didn't. It didn't work out that way. I ended up doing a lot of work on one. So, um, but I wouldn't, you know, now I wouldn't change it for the world. The, the flexibility of it, and you know, as you say, not not paying the rent. Mm. If if there is a month that I can't use it because I'm busy doing other things, it, it's not costing me anything, yeah. or I'm not sort of feeling guilty about I'm paying rent for this. And I'm not. So, in terms of someone looking at your business model and wanting to do something similar. The advantages there of flexibility you've talked about and the not committed to a big rent and, and rates. Yeah. What's the downside to this business model? I think if it's, I mean, this specific thing in the sense of food, actually saying that, even even if you're any kind of trader, you know, outdoor trader that relies on markets and stuff, obviously your big factor is, is weather and things being cancelled or, you know, poor turnout or poor advertising. I think if you've got your own premises, um, the getting the word out there is very much on you. Um, you know, you can choose how much you promote that or where you promote it. And you're, you're basically in charge of who's coming to your business. Whereas if you're doing a market or a food festival or, or whatever, you can only promote it a certain extent. You, you also need the people that are running it to promote it and to make sure that it gets a good turnout. And, you know, there obviously are a lot of things that don't get that sort of people that you know sometimes people think they can just put a market on and people will turn up and it doesn't yeah. necessarily work that way and um so i think you're a bit more reliant on other people and also you know from a case of you could agree to do a market and then you could you could turn up and there's only five traders there and therefore people aren't really going to support yeah. it and, and again you're not really in charge of that um so it it does have its do you, downside do you do it? any sort of due diligence before you go to markets do you, do you ask how many stallholders they've got and yeah i mean with I definitely ask sort of about the food options because with doing street food, I mean, you can have, you can have 40 stalls of all different things and people will go to, they'll at least look at every one and, mm. you know, they, they probably buy from several different ones. I think even if you've got cakes and cheese and, you know, things like that, people will still buy different things, whereas they're only really going to eat one type of hot food while they're at that market. They're not going to go to, so if you've got 10 food traders, you're really dividing your custom. You're looking at 10% of the trade. So, yeah, exactly. Whereas if there's just a few, and I mean, and that even more with if there's another vegan or vegetarian thing there, I mean, it's, it's completely pointless for me to do oh. anything if there's another vegan or vegetarian trader because 
you know the, the, the custom that I'm definitely guaranteed to get I'm not going to get if it's you yeah. know if it's um so I do ask about that and there aren't many about at the moment I don't think there's not certainly not many vegan ones but but even you know with regards to food because a lot of the stuff I do like a lot of the time I do things like nachos and mac and cheese and even though they're vegan they're still really popular with non-vegans um so I still get I still get trade from people that you yeah. know say if there's a burger van there some people might not want a burger they might want something. So just fancy so, nachos that yeah day. exactly yeah. so so I do that um but yeah it's some people that organize things are very closed off about you know who else is there or whatever so you've just got to be you've just got to do research sort of independently i think and and try and but if something's new then yeah do you find there's enough options to trade up there's enough markets around and, and events you can go to yeah i think so i think there's there's plenty going on it's just it's just whether you know you want to travel or mm. you know and i mean i've done some things that it hasn't worth me being me going um but that's only from a a vegan point of view not a not a market point of view yeah. um just because some things is it doesn't translate well or i mean i've done mold a few times um there's not really the you know i, I love doing it there and it's a, it's a really great even just the saturday market it's a, a really great market really well attended but there's not many vegans there so it's it's one of those you just have to sort of try it out and um but then there's some things that are so far away that i mean i was i was asked to do um that there's a vegan market in, I did one in Colwyn Bay, um, and then there was one in the same people that organised it in Bangor, and I really would love to have done it, but I just thought it's just so far away. It's yeah. it's an hour and a half. It's up the A fifty five. I've got a forty five year old caravan on the back. I just, I just don't. And it's you know, an extra and cost at the risk of not having a good day exactly, somewhere yeah, you exactly. don't know, That's isn't the it? Thing. And it's so far away, and you know, if you're coming back late, it's just. And I mean, I don't like going down that road at the best of times, but. So it, it's just weighing things up. I mean, maybe I should be a bit more, you know, a bit less lazy and, and go a bit further afield. But I just think if it's weddings and stuff, I mean, I did a wedding last year, this year in um, Planet Lois. Um, and that, you know, that was great. And it was, it was a lovely place and everybody was lovely. So I think I think it's more maybe if you've got a guaranteed, because a wedding is you're paid this amount of money, aren't you? And yeah. Whereas you do a market and you, you have no idea. You can take £10, you can take £1,000. <laughs> You just don't know. Just wedding something you're looking to get into more. That... Yeah, I mean, I think um, again, I need to put myself out there a little bit more. I've, um, I've got a couple lined up, um, but it's but then saying that I wouldn't want to do them. They're quite a lot of work, so mm. I don't think I'd want to do them that frequently. No. You know, it's, it's maybe one a month, one one every two months would be ideal. But I think you know, I, I definitely certainly in the summer I wouldn't want to be doing one every week or two weeks. So just no. it just because so much involved in it. Um, that I don't know how people do it every every week. So, but again, maybe I'm just really lazy. I, I always look at weddings and, and we've got some clients in the wedding industry. It looks a really tough industry to be into me. Yeah, Dealing with the I people think. who demand yeah. absolute perfection on that day. Yeah. And Because and I mean, change. I've worked, so I've got a friend that's got a, a wedding bar business and I when, when I was in between work, I helped mm. him a lot just on the bars. and. Um, and you'll have some people that are absolutely amazing and then you'll just have people that everything's a problem and it just you know it's it's and I can understand when you're paying a lot of money you want everything to be perfect but I think there are people I mean I'm really lucky the two weddings I did last year the, this year I'm saying last year I'm already in 2024 <laughs> um this year uh, both couples were just the nicest people you could have asked for and were just absolutely amazing you know um so but you know you don't 
you're not going to know that until you've kind of yeah. already agreed to it and already signed your life away for that <laughs> for that particular weekend and it's it's really hard to determine that isn't it and, and unfortunately some people will just be they think they own you for for a certain amount of time because mm-hmm. because you're doing their wedding and as i say it's it's i can i can see it from from both sides in a way but i don't think there's any need to be so sort of like bridezilla as they say like i was trying not to really use that you, you <laughs> but I've, I've done it no it's um you, as i say i've been really lucky that the two couples that i had were were great and just really down to earth and just really you know that there was no sort of because I think a lot of weddings these days just people just get carried away and, and they spend so much money on it's basically for for mm. other people they're, they're not even really you know a lot of the money they spend is, is to impress their guests and, and it really gets lost the fact that you're supposed to be marrying somebody you love and it's supposed to be a day celebrating that and so I've been lucky that the, the two that I've done have been really small you know cozy lovely crowd of people so just more like that would be nice so if you're getting married and you're nice people only <laughs> <Yeah>. get in <laughs> touch with it yeah. uh, so what challenges do you think this business faces just as i say the um i suppose a, a little bit it is a little bit unknown as well the same as i'm saying about the covid thing but um i mean it, it's just because even even when you do events like i mean i've done the victoria market um for i think this would be my fifth year this year the christmas market um but so I did three, I think, just as a, with a tent and some tables. Um, and then last year was the first year I did it with the caravan. Um, and I've always taken a lot of money at them, like probably a thousand pounds in the day. Um, so last year I was really prepared for that. <laughs> and I think I took 450 pounds. So that's, a, that's still a fan, especially for a vegan thing. It, it's a fantastic But I guess that creates your problems in terms of how much stock you got Exactly. Prepared. And that, yeah. that is the problem. And, I really went all out last year, and I made my own vegan cheese. Um, I did, I did, I did like little um, fake bacon strips out of temper. I try not to use too many like fake meat mm. products, so I try to make whatever I can. And I made the cheese out of cashew. Um, so I put a lot of effort in, a lot of money, made all these Christmassy things, and so you know the outlay didn't. I didn't really make much money because yeah. I spent so much of it on stock. Whereas I think this year I'm just gonna, because I mean. I worry about always doing the same food. Um, I don't want people thinking I'm like being lazy or, you know, I can't be bothered thinking of anything else. But if, if I don't do mac and cheese, people that have come there before go, why haven't you got mac and cheese on? And I'm like, you're not bored of it yet. Like, or nachos. Like I've been doing nachos for ever. <laughs> like I'm bored of them. But if I don't do them, people are like, why haven't you got nachos on? I must admit, I do, okay. I do like your nachos. <laughs> it, it just, so I, I, I'm stuck between this thing of, well, I don't want people thinking I'm a one-trick pony and I can only do these dishes. But then if I don't do them, people are... And, you know, they're easy to make. And it's it's one of those that, like, say with mac and cheese, I, I can have loads of packets of pasta and I can just keep topping it up in the caravan. I haven't got to do a lot of prep. I'm letting you into all the secrets of my business here. You are, yeah. um, but I haven't got to spend hours at home prepping all this food. But basically, if I don't sell it, either my boyfriend's eating it every day for the next week. Or it goes in the bin, you know. It and I don't like the food. So he's the one who's really sick of mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah. It's not the customers, yeah, is it? That's what it's the chili. It is. He'd eat chili every day. I think he just. Yeah. So, it's what I don't. I don't like the food waste side of it either. It's it's not just the money. It's you know, I don't want to make all this food just for it to go to waste. So it's trying to keep levels. You know, that if I, if I can just because if I, if I get ten packets of macaroni, 
they can stay there for I don't even know how long <laughs> how long does pasta last for a while yeah. uh, the same with like nachos you know if, if they're not open they last a long time so there's not as much wastage as if I'm making cashew cheese and then you know if I don't use it all there's not much you can do with it no. you, could, you could freeze it maybe but I wouldn't I don't think it'd be very nice no so it, that that is a big challenge is just the again the unknown is at least when you do a wedding you've got this amount of people you know this food um whereas when you do especially if you do a new market or festival how many people are going to be there i mean i get people because because i'm organizing markets now i get people asking me well how busy will it be <laughs> um I'd, I'd love to be able to tell you i don't know you can't ever i think unless maybe you sell tickets for something but I think even then you could spend a fiver on a ticket for an event and then it rains all weekend and you think I'm not leaving the house. No. I'll, I'm not bothered about that fiver that I spent. Yeah. So I think it, that that is definitely the biggest challenge is just the not being able to predict the future. Okay. In any business, I think. Maybe. I was going to say, that would be useful <laughs> yeah, for every business, wouldn't food, it? Yeah, it? We'd all like to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, so what, what's the future quite for Buttercup? What plans have you got? I mean, I think... Um, I'm just, as I say, I'm just trying to sort of, I mean, I, I did this to have a bit more flexibility. That that was the, the whole thinking behind getting something mobile. Um, so I'm just trying to, I mean, I, I got myself a part-time job as well um, about six months ago, just because, just to take that pressure off. And I kind of, in the beginning, I kind of felt a bit of a fraud because I kind of felt like I'm supposed to be self-employed. I'm supposed to be a businesswoman and I've gone and got a part-time job and there's lots and lots of businesses. Yeah, exactly. Know, and I think you know, I, I felt really guilty to begin with. Yeah, and I, you know, my, my mum's—it's my mum that spent this money on this caravan. And she she had a payout from retiring from the university, so um, she spent that money. And you know, it's supposed to be a thing that we can make us more flexible. And you know, she helped me all the time. But so getting this job, I did feel like it would seem like I was taking a, a backseat from it. But it it basically, you know, now that I'm six seven months into it it's it basically means that my bills are paid mm. and I haven't got a you know because sometimes I was dragging myself out at five o'clock in the morning to do markets that by the time I paid the pitch and, the food, and you know pay for the food and everything else I'd probably make 20 quid so it's giving you that security and <laughs> yeah, allows exactly. you to really and or I'd, and I'd, I'd have a good weekend and I'd yeah. make quite a bit of money and then I'd put some of that money into doing something else that week and then I wouldn't make any money and I'd, I'd just think well I could have just kept that money mm. and instead of ploughed it into more food and more pitch fees and now I've lost it. It's like gambling. It's, mm. it's like really. So I think with just having that that job that just covers, you know, all my bills are paid and got a bit left over to fill the cupboards. And then anything I do with Buttercup now is is a bonus. And it, I can be a bit more, not, not picky in that sense, but I, I don't have to sort of force myself to go to things that I, I'm thinking, is it really worth it? You know? Um, so yeah, I, I do struggle with, I'm a bit of a fraud now. I, I, I definitely <laughs> wouldn't say so. There's lots of business owners who yeah. you know, have some sort of employment this, as well. Yeah, and mix it up and I think just when you go from working to being self-employed, it's it's like as if you know you take this stand and you're, I'm working for myself and then to sort of go back on that. But I mean, it's been nearly 10 years you know, that I've worked for myself. So I think how I'm, do you, I'm allowed How do you just... find being employed after all that time? Is it difficult? Um, no, I thought maybe it would be. I've always sort of thought, because especially when I was with Universal Credit and I was trying to, you know, get back open, you know, my, my thing was never to sort of give up on in Flag Offer and um, I'm never going to work again. Um, but they were trying to get me to look for jobs and it was like, well, what 
what jobs are there like at the moment you know that during covid um but i did kind of worry at the time well, what could i do you know I, I just sort of i don't think i could work for for somebody else but then i've done it you know the, the guy that took over my place in long often eventually um, took on the lease you know I, I helped him for a bit in the kitchen and I'm actually all right. I'm quite surprised that mm. you think that being being your own boss for so long, you'd really struggle. But maybe because I've been my own boss, I, I appreciate that if somebody's paying you, then you just do. Do you know, I, I think there's two ways of looking at it. Sometimes I think I couldn't go and work for someone else now. So I've worked for myself for too long. The other way is you have lots and lots and lots of bosses when you're self-employed because all of your clients, all of your customers... Yeah. Have that sort of yeah, exactly. uh, that lean over. And I mean, you know, so. I, I'm sort of anyone that knows me or knows of me knows that I'm notorious for having a bit of a gob. Um, no. <laughs> but that isn't, that's only really become since I've been self employed. And I know that maybe people think that it's a case of, I think I'm something special because I'm self employed, but it, it's never been that. It's been, I've worked for so long in hospitality. And being spoken to like rubbish, the clean version. Um, that and and because I've worked for other people, I've always respected those people, and I never would have, you know, sort of put them in a position where I've stood up for myself. And although a lot of the people I've worked for would all would always have said, "You stand up for yourself," you know, don't ever be treated like that. I've been lucky to have some good bosses, but I think just when I worked for myself, and and there were people just really being really rude and, and mouthy at me it was just like i've got so, nobody to so again it's something about your industry that people yeah do, exactly and I, and I don't want to you know i don't want to play the feminist card because I, I don't you know men and women are, are different and they both have you have your advantages of, of being either and but i have always found that being you know a, a sole woman with her own business it, a lot of sexism in the sense of I, nobody realised that I worked really hard to get to that point and I didn't have mummy and daddy money or I did it everything I got I got loans that you know I, I did a massive mm. business plan and I'd really really worked for it and I, I deserved it when I got it you know I'd worked hard enough to get it and to just have this attitude of you don't know what you're doing or you know you're in I mean I, I've even I've had comments of well you're not the owner you can't possibly be the owner you know or like I want to speak to the manager well actually <laughs> and just I think that just grinds on you after time and you, and you just think I haven't worked my butt off to to be spoken to like this and I can remember there was one lad that not not long after I'd opened set the bar that had was complaining about so he was in like a Friday night he was complaining about all sorts of things the, the price the atmosphere that there was no music on there was a, and he said something really loudly like oh you know it's rubbish in here or whatever it's it's cheaper in the horse and jockey so, something like that and I'd said well you know what you can do mate I literally said it like that and he just went crazy and was like I've never known such a rude barmaid in all my life and I was like for one I'm not a barmaid this is my place and but because I'd said that and that that just came off the tongue but I didn't even mean that because then he was like oh well I didn't know it was your place and I was like yeah but that it doesn't it doesn't matter I shouldn't have said that because it doesn't matter that it's my mm. place you shouldn't speak to anybody like that yeah? you know if it's a 15 year old glass collector you shouldn't speak to people like that um but it was just his attitude of, oh well, if you're the owner, well, I'm sorry then. Well, no, like you shouldn't, mm. you shouldn't be like that anyway. And you can, rude people are like drunk people; they will not accept that they're rude. They, they just. And there's a lot of drunk people in your uh, your businesses, aren't there? Well, yeah, exactly, yeah, both drunk and rude. But people say that they say, oh, it's your own fault because you've opened a bar and you deal with drunk people. I've I've worked in bars all my life, and you're either rude or you're not. 
You're not rude because you're drunk. You're rude because you're a rude person. And maybe when you drink, it brings it out. You the confidence yeah, to, exactly. to show But more. I, I know a lot of people that can be hammered and are still not rude. It's it, it's a thing that you either are or you aren't. And unfortunately, people won't be told when they are. And it, unfortunately, I've always met rude people with not so much rudeness back, but just, just apathy of... So you're still dealing with food, but you're probably not dealing with drunk people as much now because no, yeah, it's more that's, days that's event. Do you notice you get less rudeness as a result then? Yeah, I mean, there's still always the thing with um, with food. You know, everybody's a critic nowadays, and but I definitely find that's less now that I'm in a caravan. I think maybe because people buy it and walk off. <laughs> and they tend not to come back and go, that was rubbish. Um, sometimes people come back and say, oh, that was really nice. Um, but yeah, maybe the, the whole thing of, there's just, uh, I don't know, I, I just think, yeah, you're paying for food and you deserve to have a decent experience, but I don't know why people don't just vote with their feet. I don't know why everybody feels mm. the need nowadays to have such a strong opinion and, and to really like bash somebody. You don't like it. Um, okay. Like, and, and, that, and I've said that to people before, you know, well, I didn't like, okay. And that's not me saying, I don't believe you. That's just saying, all right, fair enough. You don't, you don't like it. I, do you know, I sometimes see people complaining about a business they've been to on Facebook, for example. And it's a business owner, you look at it and you think, that's really hurtful to that person because yeah. so much effort yeah, and, you exactly. know, of your finances and, and, and used to say, your oh, love it's, and it's your a, care goes business. into a business yeah, and someone will just criticise it. For, for no, mm. for no constructive reason as well. Like, you know, it, that that's the thing that you're not, I'd understand if you went, if you got food poisoning from somewhere and, and you know, even that's subjective, isn't it? But, Say if that was a genuine thing, say you went out a party of 10 of you and eight of you had food poisoning the next day. I could maybe understand, actually, you're warning people about mm. that sort of thing. But anything else is an opinion and you're entitled to that opinion. But people should be able to make their own opinion <laughs> about things. And, and there's no there's no need to hurt somebody because people used to say it's a business. You shouldn't take it so personally. But it is, you go into it it, is personal yeah. when you put everything into it. It is personal. I don't care what you say that. And, yeah. and, and your business is a reflection on you, exactly, isn't it? Yeah. Your, when you're the business is in it. your own model. Yeah, and, exactly. And yeah. it's and you know it ju- it's just frustrating because and it used to, you know it used to get me down, but people used to say to me, "Look, you've made a lot of friends and a lot of loyal customers from being you and doing what you do. So you're obviously doing it right for some people. You're just not doing it right, and you can't. There's there's no way that you can please everybody and and keep everybody happy. And, and that's why I developed the thing of, okay, I appreciate your comments. It's not for you, but people want more than that. They want you to fall at their feet and, and you know, and it, it's like, well, you didn't like it, but other people like it. Mm. So what, what do you want me to do? And people just want more and more, don't they? They just, they want this, this big reaction, but. Can't please all the people all no, the time. No, I'm definitely, I've definitely calmed down. Um, but then touch wood, I don't really get any bad reviews anymore. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it just, I, I've just always had this thing of, you know, if you're entitled to your opinion, then I should be entitled to mine, you know, so respond to that, you know, and it shouldn't be a case of, you just let people leave reviews for the sake of it and, and, you know, don't defend yourself. But then you just get into, you know, I got to a point where because I was responding to people, people were deliberately leaving reviews to get a rise out of me and just, you know, there was just nothing, as I say, you can just sort of get in this slippery slope, don't you? But, but yeah, it's definitely, um, now I'm mobile. Generally, people are nicer, nicer. Yeah. yeah, or you just don't see them. <laughs> so, so one thing some people might not know is 
you and your business is a bit of a TV star, aren't you? <laughs> you want to tell us about that? Um, uh, yeah, so um, when I decided to buy this caravan, well, as I say, originally I wanted a, a ready-made unit. Um, we'd seen a caravan that would be, be made into a coffee trailer in Bridge North on eBay. Uh, we decided to go and have a look at it. It was in communication with the guy who was selling it, um, said we're likely to buy it. Got 10 minutes away from Bridge North, he rings me and says somebody bought it on eBay. Hasn't come to see it, but it's just, I think he had like a buy it now price. Mm. I bought it. We were like, we're literally, we're 10 minutes away. And he was like, oh, I don't know what to do. He said, but, you know, and I said, oh, well, if, if it falls through, just give me a ring. So went home and then I was in a sulk then because mm. I do that. Um, <laughs> if I kept my mindset on something and I can't have it, I get annoyed. Um, but I was just scrolling through Facebook and there was another caravan literally down the road from where I live. Um, I went to see it and it was a wreck, but fell in love with it um, and, that, and it was £400. So I was like, I'm having it. Um, but as I say, originally the intention was to have something that was ready done, but this is was nowhere near ready done. But my brother is very hands-on and he paints cars and he, he does all sorts of little bits. So it was like, come on, between us, we can, we can do it. Um, so we went and picked it up. So then I got home when we bought it and I was showing my boyfriend the pictures of it. And uh, he said, oh, you want to you wanna see if you can go on amazing spaces? And then we were like, ha, 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 ha. And then, gosh, we fell a form in. So we, <laughs> so we just went on the website and they happened to be casting at that point. Um, so this is George, George, George Clark's Clark, amazing George spaces. George Clark's amazing spaces, yeah, yeah channel form. Um, filled in this form, put some pictures. Um, a bit funny, sort of. And then... That was on the Sunday night and then the Tuesday morning um, I just got this phone call and it was, oh, this is casting from George Clark's Amazing Spaces. And I was like, it's a joke. <laughs> and then she said, oh, we'd like to know more about about the story and about the thing. So I was like, oh, okay. Uh, but then because I'd put, so that, you know, this is this is TV as we know it in the 21st century, isn't it? Um, because I'd sort of put in the, in the very brief description on the form, um, that I'd ha- basically had to give my business up partly due to COVID, but partly due to family circumstances. Um, they were very interested in the they thought it was a story, yeah. <laughs> family circumstances yeah. side of it. So she said, can you elaborate on that? So I did. And I think that's where it's it's come from. They they like the sort of the story because, I mean, they filmed, because that was in the February. And then they said, well, we definitely want to feature you, um, but we can't start filming until the end of April. Um, so can you just not do anything? <laughs> you should not do anything until the end of April because we want to see it in its original mm. form before we, um, you know, while you work on it. So yeah, okay. So I just didn't do anything. Um, and they came and filmed. I mean, you know, it was it was a great thing. It was only one girl with a camera on her shoulder, mm. and it was all very informal. And you know, she was lovely, and she just asked questions. And um, and then they just filmed like every bit, so it would be. You know, a case of right. What are you doing this week? Um, right, we'll come and film that. And they, I mean, there was hours of footage, which ends up being fifteen minutes of yeah. of screen time. Um, so it turned out they didn't really feature much um, of the actual build, as they call it. Um, it was more the story. Your story. The yeah. story. So um, all the things they were filming me, where I was looking really incompetent. I was quite glad that because uh, you know I'm quite. I've always been quite good at DIY and painting and handy little things. Um, but when there's a camera in your face and they're asking you really personal questions and you're painting a blackboard and then they're just like, keep painting. <laughs> so you're talking for half an hour painting this same piece of a blackboard because of the continuity. 
you just, I was just thinking, people are just going to think I haven't got a clue what I'm... People are going to look at this caravan at the end and be like, she hasn't done that. But I, did, I genuinely did. I did, apart from painting the outside, I did all of it, you know. And But if if they'd have included most of the things I'd filmed, you'd never have believed it in a million years that it was me that did it because I just looked. So that, that TV program, did it did it positively impact your business? Was it a big marketing tool? And yeah, definitely. I mean, I didn't realise how many people watched it, really. I've, I've sort of seen it, you know occasionally but i've never really massively into it but um yeah it's amazing that even even now i still get at least at least once when i'm somewhere when i'm anywhere i get well you early um so i mean people it's, it's weird because i was at the rex and lager festival and there was a girl that said i was chatting to her for a bit and then she was like oh wait a minute when you on george clark's amazing spaces and i was like oh yeah yeah and she went yeah i thought i recognized you and i went you recognize me and i'm literally in my yellow caravan and she's like <laughs> Yeah, I rec- yeah, I recognize you. And I was like, you didn't recognize this. And she was like, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Yeah, fine. But yeah, so it's definitely I've got inquiries through it, you know, sort of um, you know, more sort of things on social media and stuff. Um and Is the episode still available? Yeah, so it's um it went out in January this year, so it's series 11 episode 1. And it's on the channel 4 app. Channel. Yeah, um, I keep saying 4OD. It's not been four OD for a long time. No. Uh, all, all four, all four. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. It's you know, it was nice to kind of have that because there's probably you know a lot of people know me but probably don't know the whole sort of background of it mm. and you know how we've got to where we are today. Um, so it was nice mm. to kind of have that that put across that. You okay. know. And then I know you're not just attending street markets; you're organising markets at the moment yeah. as well. Yeah, that's kind of happened organically, accidentally. I'm not sure, <laughs> sure which word's best. Is that, um, to, is that to create yourself somewhere to, to trade from? Originally, yeah, originally, just um, I was doing the... Because Nigel Lewis used to um, do the street markets years ago before COVID um, and then started them up again, I want to say early last year. I don't know if you've done them before that. Early last year was when I knew about it. So I'd do them whenever I wasn't booked. So that they were, I think they were the second Saturday of the month at the time. Um, and I do them if I wasn't already booked somewhere else. I mean, I'd, I'd always choose to do them, but there were some some months I'd already got other, you know, previous bookings. Mm. Um, so and, you know, and they were, I, I always did well at them. There weren't too many stalls. I think um, Nigel had a lot of other things going on, so <clears throat> it was quite difficult for him to drum up the stalls. And unfortunately, Wrexham's got a bad name still. And you know, it it, it is. I found myself it's very difficult to get people to take a punt and come and do a market. Um, so they were on Hembler Street uh, by... Disappointing given our market heritage. Isn't yeah, it? exactly, yeah. Um, and so they, they didn't really they didn't really have the natural... Where they were, they didn't have the natural footfall. I can understand why he did them on Hembler Street because it was it was kind of driving traffic that way. But people don't go down that way. So I think people didn't... You know, people would say, I didn't even know you were here. Um, so he stepped down in December last year. And he said, oh, I, I haven't got the time to organise them anymore. So... Um, myself and a couple of other traders that were always there had said, oh, well, you know, and, and sort of spoken to Nigel and said, do you think we can carry them on? And he was like, yeah, he gave us the right contacts and that. And um, But then it was very, you know, there was few, and we, ha- we were having meetings about it and everything. And um, it was, it, there was never, we couldn't sort of confirm a date or anything. And then I just <coughs> took over, um, <laughs> which... Just the gob again. Just, <laughs> just a case of everybody's... It was everybody else has got jobs, as I think is the point. Everybody else already does something else. Um, 
and I was the only one that had a lot of kind of at the time free time to do it because this is before I was working um and it was just kind of like I'm gonna do it now then are you you know I didn't just sort of go behind people's back it was all discussed and it was like am I okay to go and do this now then where do we need sorry where do we do you know where we were up to uh yeah just thinking over mark it yeah so you want to start again or just go I don't know what do you want what do you want us to do um uh you can start from where you were saying about taking it over okay So I, I made I made sure that everybody's okay with it. I didn't sort of just go mad, but it was like we need to get we need to get this in now, otherwise it's going to be summer and then you know we're not going to have any markets. So um, we started them in I did a plant based one in February while everybody was making their minds up, um, and that did quite well. It was like the first market I'd organised, but I, I knew quite a lot of other plant based traders, so I kind of just called on. <laughs> called in a favour and said, Oh, we're coming. And we had like something like 17, 18 stalls, so it was a nice little, for February, it was a nice little market. And I thought, Actually, this is quite easy. So, went ahead, and then the first one was in April. Um, and then they've just been every month, so we, we started off with a few, I think we maybe had sort of 15, 20 traders to begin with, um, which were mainly made up of the ones that had been doing Nigel Lewis's markets. Um, and then managed to find a few more, you know, but I just sort of got out there and went to other markets and asked people, but it was a struggle because as I say, people were, oh, I'm not going to Wrexham, you know, because mm. I think with the Monday market being so poorly attended, there's, there's literally a few stalls there. That's all that people have in their head that, oh, the Monday market is, but. But you know what, for someone who like works in the town centre, Monday is the quietest day in town, yeah, isn't it? By a long way. Yeah, exactly. And it's just on the wrong day. It's one of the, yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's like as if they're very stubborn and keeping it the Monday market. But if it was another day, I know everybody's saying, why isn't it on a Saturday? But it, it couldn't have one every Saturday. It would, you know, people would just get bored of it. But if it was maybe a, a later day in the week, then it might be busier. But it is, it is very much the chicken and the egg. It's how do you... Um, you know, you've got to get traders, but then traders aren't going to come if there's no customers, but then customers aren't going to come if there's no traders. So it is just this really, <laughs> this vicious cycle. And, and I, you know, I struggled with that in the beginning of, of getting people. And because we, we haven't booked them until quite late, anybody that sort of was keen to come and do it was already booked in for a lot of events over the summer. So a lot of them couldn't start till September anyway. Um, so it's just happened, as I say, quite organically. I never intended this time last year. So, when, so when's your market on? So first on Saturday of the month. First Saturday of the month. How many traders do you reckon you get on average? We're getting sort of 35 to 40 every month now. Um, and you're on Queen Square? Queen Square, yeah. So we always end up with the same three questions for everybody. The first one is, what does success look like for you? I think just, I mean, a lot of people determine it as money, don't they? I don't, I don't see it like that. I, no I one's answered with money yet. Oh, good. <laughs> they might be thinking about it, but no one said it. No, I, I just think, um, you know, it. I, I just want to be happy and comfortable, you know, not struggling to pay bills. I mean, you know, as a family, we've been there. I mean, my mum moved to Coventry when I was seven. We moved to Coventry when I was seven, um, you know, from Wrexham. Um, she got a job in the university there. And then, and we struggled some months, and some months she'd be a bit flush and we'd have treats, and then some months, you know, we'd 
we used to have a, a TV that you'd have to put a pound in it to, <laughs> that was how you, you paid to rent it. You know, we, we struggled and then we had some months where we had a bit more money and we could go out and treat and we'd go out. And I just always kind of had that philosophy of, I just want to be able to pay my bills, maybe have a little bit of money sometimes for some treats. Mm. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't ever expect to be, or want to be rich and it's not really important to me. I just If someone was starting a business, and they approached you as someone who's been going since 2014. If you had one piece of advice you could give them, what would that be? Don't, I'm joking, I am joking. Um, <laughs> no, I think... Not really the aim of this podcast. <laughs> I think, um, you know, as, as I was saying about working part-time, I feel like a failure, but I think everybody's going to try it once. And, and you can always just go and get a job if you don't like it or it doesn't work for you. There's, if, if you've got that opportunity to become self-employed and to start a business, then... Uh, you know don't let the fear stop you because the only thing that would stop you in from going back on it i suppose you could say is is your own pride i think you know is, is that like like it was with me i couldn't possibly get a job because you know i'd be a failure but you've got to try it and some you know it's not necessarily for everybody but i, I definitely think it's it's something that is worth doing and i think that the, the one piece of advice that i would give is to just look at every angle because even when I when I took on Set the Bar, you know, I, I set up the company and I remember my mum going mad at me at the time because I'd gone into the solicitor's office and said, what happens if it doesn't work? You know, what do I do? And it was, you would liquidate a company if, you know, if you had assets, you, you'd have to declare bankruptcy. And, and my mum was like, I can't believe you're thinking about failing. And I was saying, but I have to because I don't want to just get into this thing and and then what do I do? You know, you've got you've to have every sort of, get out clause and again that's not a failure it's not it's not not having confidence in yourself it's just you know your options then don't you and, yeah. and hopefully it doesn't ever come to that so spotlight's been on you for this episode no. um and now it's time to shine the Wrexham business spotlight onto one other business i was supposed to think about this wasn't i there's too yeah. many so we're gonna ask you to pick one of the business that you think deserves a mention a bit of praise could be another market trader a friend a customer supplier as long as they're from Wrexham, we'll take them. <laughs> um, oh my. Uh, it's very difficult for me because I've got, you know, we've got this market community now. Um, every, everybody, especially the regular traders, they're all um, so, it's such a lovely community and everybody works really hard and everybody's there every month, pretty much, you know, at least when they can be. Um, and I, I really appreciate that. And I don't, really want to pick one of those traders because they genuinely all are brilliant and I really appreciate them because I get a lot of praise for doing this Wrexham market but I couldn't you know it's not successful only because of me it's successful because of all the people that have stuck with it um but I'm going to say one of our traders Sharn um whose business is called Loopy Delights she makes um all sorts of kooky sort of stuff handbags and little gloves and little angel wings that you put on your trainer laces and stuff um and she's just she's great she's a, a mum of five she's got the, the most gorgeous kids you've ever come across they're just amazing they're so polite and so lovely and she works really hard and, and it's her whole it's her business you know she doesn't do it on the side um and she just does everything she can she does as many markets as she can um she's done every single one of ours she's there rain or shine um she's really supportive she's really brilliant um 
So yeah, I'd like to I'd like to sort of say her because okay, great. But I still love I'm all of so, it. I'm sorry for making you uh, victimize <laughs> no, all your other regular players. Yeah, no, I do. It's it is genuinely. You know, I'm not just saying that. It's really hard to to pick somebody because they're all, um, as I say, I, it would be nothing without. You know, you can't. One person doesn't make a market, and as much as I get praise for for doing it and doing it, because it has become a part time job, basically, you know, another part time job that because it, it takes up a lot of my time, but it it's not just my work. It's it's everybody sticking with it, and even on the days like in August, it just rained all day, and we barely had many traders. A lot couldn't come because it was just too wet. But you know, a few did, and it was still and there were still people about, and mm. it's because of people like that that it's that it's built up to what it is now because people have stuck with it and, and had faith. So. Yeah, okay. Loopy Delights. Sean from Loopy Delights. <laughs> yes. Um, so, Finn, thank you very much for coming on. Thank it's you been for a really me. good chat. It's been really interesting. Learn your story of, of how you developed your business to what yeah. you're doing now and the challenges you faced. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, thank you very much. Well, thank you for having Appreciate me. It. I hope it's been, been insightful. It has. Excellent. <laughs> no matter how high I fly, no matter how far you go. Hello everybody, it's Adrian here. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Wrexham Business Spotlight podcast. It's very much appreciated. Please also support our guests and their wonderful businesses. You can like and subscribe to this. You could share the podcast so your friends can enjoy it. And you could also find us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. Leave your comments, leave your thoughts and let us hear your feedback. Thank you very much and see you on the next episode.